It's a Monday, a sunny Monday in the Mile High City in the Front Range. Welcome to Studio Kitchen, Colorado. So happy to have you here today with us. We've got a great big show for you. There's going to be some education. There's going to be a lot of fun. Elevation Food Service reps here with us. We're going to take a tour around the kitchen. But Emily Griffith Culinary Quick Start. That's going to be a great time. Today we have the chefs here with us, ready to go. Chef Blake, and we have Chef Marcus, and then also a new friend, Chef Mike Russo, and you're from Vibe Concepts. Okay, can't wait to get started, but right now, I'm gonna head over to the TMEE news desk, and we're gonna give you an update. It's cool, we have the bottle from Beast and Bottle. Aileen Riley is gonna join us. Beast and Bottle and Coperta, they've chosen to stay close. We're gonna hear from her next. Hang on, Jay, Aspen Baking Company. That's right, it is. It's time to talk bread, and uh, no better bread in the world, in the city, on planet Earth than Aspen Baking. AspenBaking.com, you guys, that's where you go to get everything you need. If you're a chef and you have a restaurant and you just don't have the wherewithal to, to bake your own bread, AspenBaking.com, they're the ones you want to get. Uh, if you're doing catering, boxed lunches, AspenBaking.com, you guys, they don't freeze the bread, they don't do chemicals, they don't do, they don't do any of the fake stuff all right the colors the 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 any of that um but aspenbaking.com is where you want to go dragon i lost that camera so i got to figure that out here um give me <laughs> give me one second bring that over to me would you would you bring me that phone aspenbaking.com you guys do you know friends that love bread do you know chefs that love bread then aspenbaking.com you send them over to aspenbaking.com the holiday's over it's always a good time for bread Jeff Nations has been doing it since 1994. It does not get any better than him. I'm telling you that right now. AspenBaking.com. Greg, are you ready to do this? Oh, I'm more than ready. Let's go. Do it. Okay. Thank you so much for joining us here at Studio Kitchen Colorado. This is a pleasure to catch up. She's on the road, heading to Florida right now with the family. And I can't wait to talk to her. We'll introduce her to the show now. I said uh, the bottle portion of Beast and Bottle and Coperta. She's co-owner along with her uh, brother, Paul. Aileen Riley joins us on the Modern Eater Show. Good to see you, Aileen. Give me two cents. How about now? How are you, Aileen? I'm very good. Can you all hear me? Yeah, you, you sound are. great. Good to have you. Okay, perfect. Okay, good. <laughs> On the road again, and this is cool. We've got, we have an opportunity to catch up with you. And I'm just going to start from the beginning. Here it is. You have some great restaurants. People are looking forward to get back to dining inside of them. And uh, featured in the Denver Post article, some restaurant owners wary of reopening, even with Polis's green light. Now, We'll just take this slow if we can and kind of dig into it in the thought process. But you've been quoted to say in this article, the sobering reality of that our small, small businesses will save more money during this hibernation, paying rent and utilities, that if we were in operation under reduced capacity, that you would have uh, you know, a, a chance, but it's not the best chance. A 25% capacity. Tell us what you've elected to do, Aileen. So, so yeah, so that, that's, you know, that's kind of the, the, the easy statement to say it. It, it, it was not easy decision whatsoever. Um, but for our looking at all of this, as we've been going through the pandemic and reopening, um, we reopened our restaurants in, um, in June, at the end of June. We just have had, we've just continued to struggle. 
um, just based on capacity restrictions. Mm -hmm. And even coming back to 25%, um, it's just, it's not, it's just not enough. And for us to be able to make it through to the other side of the pandemic, um, we need to make sure that we are saving where we can and looking at the books, um, uh, crazily enough, it, we just paying those rent and utilities, we are losing less money than trying to operate um, at 25% and even that 50% um, capacity. Uh, and that's, that's, that's kind of the basis where we started with that. Completely understandable. So you get the green light, you can reopen at 25%. You've elected not to, and, and let's face it, restaurants are built to run at 100%. I mean, that's where you get your margins from. And, it's, and even at 100%, you're, if you're a great restaurant, 6 to 8% off the bottom line for profit, that's small, right? So Correct. operating right now, let's just talk about the nuances from that, though, because um, there are other people involved with these decisions as well, which that's where it gets a little sticky. Now, cited in this article as well, I thought it was interesting that... Um, Another restaurant owner said that, why don't we learn from France, who closes down their restaurants in August? I, I didn't actually know that that was the case. But why aren't we doing that in January anyway? So, Aileen, tell me what it's like, because it's not just flipping a switch on and off. What's it like to start and stop a restaurant? What types of things need to happen? Yes, um, that, that, that is extremely true. We, you know, we... When we first had a close in March, when it became mandated, you know, no one really knew what was going on. And I feel like we just we just kind of had to shut down. Um, it was a very quick process. Once we made this decision um, with the team members we had, you know, that were on, on staff when we decided to, that we were going to close temporarily, um, we took the time to really make sure we, we shut the restaurant down properly um, and make sure that when we reopen, it's going to be a bit easier than it was when we reopened in, um, in June when we got the, when we got that original green light after, um, the first shutdown. So we, it is definitely not going to be easy. We, we still don't see it as something that would be, but even with the money it takes to restart, that is a better, that's a better model for us than trying to continue to operate on just weeks when we were just, You know, you lose that much money, you can't make it to the other side, and that is to be. And that's where we, we, we will be based on this decision. Okay. So what goes along this, and again, joining us here on the Modern Eater Show, she's in transit, as you can see, so she drops out for a second. I know I'm waiting with bated breath, like, what's she going to say next? <laughs> but the, the reality of this is, is that along with these decisions, um, people are are involved as well and employees and a lot of the decisions and let's face it the restaurant owners and operators have made over the the past months have been because they really care about their employees and the staff that work with them i don't i Aileen, can you still hear me i want to make sure that you can hear me catch up there Aileen, can you still hear me Yep. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. uh, so in this article, also quoted, was an employee of yours, uh, Gabrielle. 
And Gabrielle was quoted to say, I was furloughed with the intent to be hired back, same as last shutdown, she said. But last time, multiple people were let go altogether. So not being asked to come back weighs heavily on my mind. There's a lot of great employees out there, and for all intents and purposes, they're in free agency right now. She can choose to do whatever she wants to. What do you do to have continued morale for your employees or onboarding? It costs a lot of money to onboard an employee. So what are you going to do with that fastest as far as staffing goes? Got a little hiccup. I'm worried that Aileen cannot. Yeah, well, I mean, as mentioned, you'll be able to pay your employees. And, oh, did you hear me? Yep, I got you now. Can you hear me there? Yes, I can. This is a tough one because I can hear you. Okay, um, I can hear so you, one Aileen. One of the things as an employer. Okay. Um, so what I was saying was that what's difficult with it, oh, sorry, as an employer, the first thing you have to be able to do is pay an employee and you have to make sure that you have the funds to do that. And as an employer, if you can't deliver on that, that becomes extremely problematic, of course. Mm -hmm. So with us being able, we were able to make sure that all of our employees were paid for the work that they did. And, and then we furlough them um, with the intent, of course, bringing them back. You know, with limited capacity, that's what you have to deal with. Um, unfortunately, a, a, you know, a, a, a staff that was one size is no longer that size mm -hmm. when you're running that much smaller. We have tried to do, you know, what we can and keeping um, once we're ready to reopen that and we have to deal with making sure we get government funding. We need to make sure that there's winter, there's, there's better weather out. You know, then we can bring employees back, but then also there's business and there's demand. And that's also what we need to see. Mm -hmm. um, we, we know bringing on the last time we weren't, you know, the, even though you get brought back, sales aren't the same. You know, so it, it is a little bit different for a take home. Hours may be different. So the, our intention with, you know, being closed for a few weeks is that there becomes a bit more of normalcy and we're able to obtain that government funding to make sure to secure and take care of our employees because that's what's important. Yeah, not making money, but saving money by closing it down. And Aileen Riley here with us, Beast and Bottle and Coperta, and we're kind of just talking the ins and outs of her decision, although there is a green light for 25% uh, capacity indoor dining. Uh, they've elected collectively to just sh shut her down, and you call it hibernation, which I like. You're just kind of hibernating a little bit. But what does this do to the business? Let's go to the customer side of this, Aileen. People's habits are changing right now, and that's what I fear so much, is that they're starting new patterns and new habits and going to other places. How do you stay connected with your customer, Aileen? And then how do you also, uh, once you're connected with them, with your messaging and then... Um, we'll talk about your startup plan of what that will look like. Yeah, well, I think, you know, the first thing is the easiest way to be in touch with your guest is, is you know, I think at this point it's social media and to just be very transparent, um, which we believe we are. Um, you know, our intent is that um, our intent and our purposes will be back. Um, and that's that's where we're going. And so we continue to say that with the guests. 
I mean, I think we're all navigating a new normal. So, you know, every day is a little bit different and we find different ways, whether it's through newsletters or, or just connection. But I mean, as much as we can to stay present, um, we try to do that. With you and your brother, I know experience is a big thing, and that may have played a lot into your decision of uh, going into hibernation for a bit for things to be a little less restrictive and maybe more safe in your estimation and being able to do that, touch the table and have that experience. What can people expect from your restaurants when you do reopen? Will they know that at that point in time there's clear runway and you're able to get back to some kind of normal operations and that is that when they can expect you to reopen well you know for us and i believe what we've become known for is that our food tells a story um and a lot of times you know one of the things for us in a winter hibernation is when you don't have a dining room you don't get to tell that story um and so that's a bit different for us why some of these limited capacity and takeout models you know may have not been they may work for some and they're able to stay afloat but they obviously, as I've stated, have not been working very well for us in this capacity. So what you can expect from us in a reopening is coming back into great, you know, a great experience. Food of the story, food, of, food that has integrity from our sourcing um, to, you know, the team that's there taking care of our guests. Um, and really being able to show what our stories are in Beast and Bottle and Coperta. I love it. That's exactly what I would expect you to say. And, and truly, the, the attention to the nuances that it takes in hospitality, uh, I believe that if people, I, I think she's probably still trying to talk to me and I can't hear her. Aileen, are you hearing me? I am hearing you. Yes. Can you oh, hear me? Yes. I'm just complimenting because I know your brother, Paul, he's bomb when it comes to sourcing um, great delicious ingredients and, and true farm to table when that probably that terminology is way overused. But when you get people like Paul that just does it right and, and mindful and doing business with other local purveyors and vendors, it just takes it to a whole new level. And then with yourself as well, tell the people that may not know the story of why you're named Beast and Bottle. Yeah, so, you know, kind of crazy enough, Beast and Bottle is about to turn eight years old. So really coming through this, um, our story was revol revolved around Paul and I, you know, Paul kind of more being that beast side, representing the food side. And my side was more of that bottle representing, um, at the time, our wine program as well as our beverage program. Um, I have had far too many people work with us and, and take along that I've had a lot of people that help with that word bottle. Fantastic. You're heading out right now. You're on a trip. Um, it's crazy for me to think to drive all the way to Florida, but you probably don't want to fly is my guess. And you're keeping your bubble pretty small. That's correct. Very small bubble, keeping safe. Um, but that, that's kind of the important part. What part of Florida are you headed to, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, Fort Myers. You know what? My, I was going to ask you because my dad lives in Fort Myers and I go there often. I've got some great suggestions on where you should go to eat. And then also if you take a trip a little bit of south to, um, it's a resort called La Playa, but they have a great restaurant called Belin. And if you go to Belin. It's great. We've been there many times. Have you really? Okay. Yep. Fa fantastic. And then up there in Cape Coral, um, I think it's not called the living room. What the heck is it called? I just visited it there, but they have a couple of great concepts there in the uh, Cape Coral. Uh, no, it's called ah, it's guest room. No, it starts with an F. 
It's called man foyer. No, <laughs> Jay, Jay's jumping in. Anyways, offline, I'll give you a couple of suggestions, but I'd love to hear if you go out. Hey. Do you have any idea of where where you're gonna go uh, eat when you're down there? You know, not too much. We uh, we we self isolated, and um, we're seeing my folks down there because we haven't seen them. So gotcha. with a little bit of time. You know, just getting a, as I said, very small bubbles. So there may just yeah. probably a lot of at home meals. So if you if you get any takeout, I remembered the name. It's called Fathoms. Fathoms is the restaurant there in Cape Coral. They have a great takeout program as well. So I'm so glad great. that you caught up with us today. I I mean I completely understand where you're coming from. Just because um, it, the restrictions are loosened up a bit and you can operate at 25%, then maybe that's not the best business plan for everybody. So I really, really appreciate your perspective with that. And uh, can't wait for you to open your doors. And I know when you do, I'll be one of the first back in there. Well, great. Well, thank you so much. And thanks for the time. And uh, we, we look forward to being back. That's so great. Okay, Aileen Riley and uh, Beast and Bottle and Coperta along with Paul. You guys be safe. I know you will, and we'll see you back here in Denver, Colorado. Say hi to your folks. Well, thanks all. Have a good day. Okay, that's fantastic. It was good to catch up with her. Uh, and again, featured in Denver Post article, and we had to cover this. Um, on the 30th of December, uh, Jared Polish, I almost called him Chef Jared Polis. <laughs> Je- Governor Jared Polis. Um, brought the restrictions up and, and bringing red into orange and at 25%. And a lot of people jumped at that and they got ready. They didn't have much runway, but on that Monday, um, folks have opened up their dining rooms. So to see that decision in that Denver Post article, I thought it'd be really worthwhile to catch up with Aileen. Glad that we did that. Thanks for joining us, Studio Kitchen Colorado. We've got a great show for you here today. We're going to jump in the kitchen. And In the Kitchen brought to you by Elevation Food Service Reps. We're going to take a break. We'll come right back. You're going to hear from uh, some great local sponsors. Check those sponsors out, and if you have time or you see a product that you could use, please support local. Uh, We'll jump into the kitchen. We have Chef Blake. And we have Chef Marcus, Chef Blake Stein, Chef Marcus Ang. Tonight, their class start. Emily Griffith, Culinary Quick Start. You guys wait. This is going to be so cool. Sign-up information is on themoderneater.com. You'll see a tab. Um, Some of the best of the best of the industry are going to join us to kind of collaborate with this. And this gentleman that's in the corner here, Chef Elin Wenzel, Element Knife Company. We're going to do some knife demonstrating. We're going to do some kitchen basics. It's a good time here in Studio Kitchen, Colorado. You stick around. We'll be back. The Modern Eater Show continues. Hey. (laughs) What's going on, everybody? This is Brother Luck from Lucky Dumpling, 4 by Brother Luck in Colorado Springs. And I am rocking with the Modern Eater. You're watching them. You're tasting them. You're knowing everything there is to know about Colorado. (laughs) Hi, Charlie from Brews Beers here. Our new Belgian Abbey Four Pack is a mixed package of the four core beers made in Abbey and Trappist breweries in Belgium. So we have a single, a double, a triple, and a quadruple in one package. Now, quadruples are the emperors of Belgian monastery ales. They're dark in color, Uh, with a dense tan head and alcohol ranging from 8 to 12 percent, so they're pretty strong. Quadruples are very rich and complex with big maltiness, uh, spice, and flavors of raisins, cherries, and plums. Alcohol is apparent in the mouthfeel, but not overwhelming, uh, even at 10.5 percent ABV. So the finish is long, complex, and dry, and they're great beers anytime, by themselves or with hearty foods. Pick up your Abbey 4-pack 
at either Brew's location, 67th and Pencos, or at Colfax and York, and at fine liquor stores throughout the Denver metro area. Take home some Belgian-style badassery today. Watching the Modern Eater, and now back to the show. Welcome back to Studio Kitchen Colorado. Here's what it's all about, being in the kitchen. And in the kitchen brought to you by Elevation Food Service reps. All of your kitchen needs, you got to get a hold of these guys. But Rich O'Brien and Howard's here with us today. Uh, reach out to these guys. And, and one of the things that's cool is you can get on their social media, you can get on their Instagram and Facebook, and they've got a lot of cool stuff that they're doing uh, in their kitchens right now. That's, a, that's the camera, Dragon. All right, we have a lot of action going on here, but I want to tell you again, tonight's the first night of the Culinary Quick Start class that will be held here in this kitchen Monday through Thursdays. Information on how you can sign up for this no cost. Again, no cost, Chef. Free. Free. Do you have a mic? There you Free. go. Cool. Um, introduce yourselves, if you would. I'm Blake Stein. I've uh, been teaching this culinary quick start class for about three and a half years. Uh, I'm Marcus Zhang. I've been teaching this for about a year now. I think Marcus has a... Yeah, I got, I got the uh, thrown it down Britney style. <laughs> so uh, what we're going to do is on a weekly basis, these guys are going to come in during the Modern Eater show and kind of give you a preview of what's to come for the week, right? So as we embark on this three-week program, we invite you to join us. Again, all the information on themoderneater.com. There's a drop-down menu, and you can check out how you can be a part of this. So who is your student? Anybody and everybody who wants to take this class. I mean, truly, here it is. If you've been wanting to get into a kitchen and you've, you know, you've gone through a lot of things this past year and maybe you're just sitting on the bench and going, hey, you know what, I want to switch a career, this might be good for you. It's the overall basics of what you're going to need to get into the kitchen and start cooking. If you've been on the bench because you've been furloughed, you need to tighten up those skills because I'll tell you what, the chef owner operators are really lean and mean right now and they know how to add back. So you want that bullet in your gun to get back into the kitchen to over and above. So what we're going to do here, and Howard, if you can join us, we're going to go through some kitchen basics. And uh, this is Howard right here, Howard Lewis from Elevation Food Service Reps. And I'm going to let you kind of just take it away, guys, of what you can expect when you see kitchen basics on your class that will be held here tonight. Yeah, we like to go over all this equipment, all the kind, of the things that you're going to find that are very familiar in professional kitchens. I mean, a lot of stuff that you most likely won't see at home. Um, for instance, this six burner range we have right here. I believe you're going to open up this guy and light the pilot up for us. Okay. So, first off, this is a jade range. This is actually made in the. Southern California area, and Jade is one of the most premier manufacturers of kitchen equipment. It's heavy gauge, it's high output, it's really a solid piece of equipment. It can last you a long, long time. Um, you can see we've got... Talk right into that microphone, Howard. There you, you go. <laughs> Thank you, sir. You can see that the burner tops are all solid stainless steel. They've got a nice large saute burner that covers a lot of the area on top of the, the top here so that when you light it, and they all have standing pilots, once you get it lit, 
turn it on, you get this nice big flame profile, high BTU, covers a lot of the surface of the pan. And then in the oven here, so commercial ovens are a little bit different. This one has a thermocouple that you hold, it's kind of like a safety pilot. Once you get the pilot lit, you hold this, we'll light it over here, and then we'll turn it on, we'll get this big nice flame. It's underneath, the oven will heat. There's a big, underneath here, there's a big plate that absorbs a lot of that heat. So when the oven is going through different cycles, it'll hold the heat and the temperature in the oven, keep it a little bit more constant so that you don't get a lot of high heat and low heat flashes while the oven is uh, circulating and maintaining temperature. So we have a thermocoupler, we light it, we turn it on, takes about 10 minutes to heat up, and you're good to go. And you're off and running. That's the range, and this is a great range. You hold on to that microphone because we're going to cover some more things here in the kitchen. But what do, you, what do you look for in the kitchen when you're going over basics? Are you going to go look at um, the dishwashing? What you Take it from there, Chef. Yeah, of course. Um, I think every single kitchen, in order to get licensed to serve food, needs to have a three-compartment sink and some floor drains. And I think a good example... Well, a perfect example of a three-compartment sink would be this guy. You get your, your, uh, your scrape board, get your wash, your rinse, your sanitizing, your drain board over there on the end. Um, yeah, and then we get these floor drains down here, which if you're a new cook, you'll probably be very familiar with those for a little while. Um, other kitchen basics that we can talk about is... So can you wash your hands in that sink? Absolutely no, not. No, no, no. No, no. Can only you do dishes in that sink? No way. So hand-washing sinks are only for hand-washing, while dishwashing sinks are only for washing dishes. So that's something very important to, if you're a new cook, you want to keep that in mind. If you're filling up food, or filling up a container of water, say, to uh, utilize for some preparation of food, you don't want to use this sink for that. If the health department here in Denver catches you doing that, they're going to have some words for you. Why do you have to have a sink just for vegetables? Or do you? Well, yeah, you're right next to the prep sink here. Uh, you just don't want to be washing all your food in the same sink that you're washing all your dirty dishes in. Uh, same reason that we have a separate sink over there that's uh, specifically for hand washing. Uh, there should never, ever, ever be food in the hand washing sink. And your hand washing sink, the temperature should come out of there at a certain point. And these are the things the health department will come in and talk to you about for sure. Absolutely. They want to see at least 100 degrees. Um, and then when you're washing your hands, you want to do it for what they say 10 to 15 seconds is, is good. But I say 20 is better um, if you can manage to wash your hands in some as, as hot as you can take the water yep. is usually a good rule. Uh, yeah, as hot as you can stand. So when I see stuff like this, I go, okay. I know Cambro and, and probably Rich O'Brien would be cool or, or, or you, Howard, to talk about these type of equipment. But I see this and I go, all right, well, what is this contraption here? <laughs> so this is the Cambro Sheet Pan Ultra. This is made out of a composite plastic. Handles up to 350 degrees for a sheet pan right out of the oven. And it's got these really cool little built-in pan stops. If you work in a commercial kitchen, a lot of times you'll see people that grab a pan rack and while they, they grab it so hard, they're in such a hurry, pans tend to fly out the other direction. So that's kind of a nice feature I really like about it. Do we have a pan? Where's the pan? We don't have a pan. Okay. Uh, move. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on here. <laughs> Hold on. Yeah, it's a work in progress. There we go. We got pans. So give you an right. idea. That can come right out of the oven. Slide so that baby this is in your 350-degree sheet 
pan right out of the oven. Right? You set it in there, and then let's say you want to move this across the kitchen. It really does a good job of staying in place. With more typical pan racks, when you do that, a knife, if I do this hard enough, you'll lose it. And it'll, it'll go flying out the side along with your food. So I like that feature. And plus, you'll never have to worry about bowing or any of the welds breaking because there are none. Yeah. It's plastic. Something breaks. One piece is replaceable instead of replacing the whole entire yeah, unit. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, chefs, ease in the kitchen and where things are, that's a big point. Why don't you guys talk about that, ease in the kitchen and having things where you want it? Sorry, I couldn't hear you under the, uh, the vent there. Oh, sure, the plane that's taking off <laughs> right there. So it, ease and where things go. Now, this is built for ease and, and that type of thing. Sure. But you want your kitchen set up to be able to have things where they're, they're at and you know that they're there. And then the ease of use as well. Sure. Um, and also, like, what I look at is uh, ease of cleaning as well. Um, you know, you're in a kitchen, you're going to be making a mess, accidents happen, so you're going to want to make sure that everything is, like, really easy to sanitize, uh, really easy to clean, um, and yeah, like you said, you want everything to be just very, very organized, so you know exactly where it is every single time. Uh, so it's not all about just cooking in the food as well, there's the setup, and then there's the breakdown and the cleaning, which you're very right, Chef, I'm yeah. really good at making a mess. And I'm not great at cleaning it up. That's for sure. This thing over here, I think it's really cool. It's a great addition to the kitchen. But to have some of these toys in your kitchen, you, gotta, you can't just look at it and go, you know, stare at it like the, the dairy cow. Um, talk about this piece of equipment right here, would you, Howard? You're talking about... Yes, sir. Okay. So this is also from Cambro. It's a Procar Ultra. This is an insulated holding cabinet. Two compartments. It'll hold temp for up to four hours, which is pretty good. And that's when you keep the door shut. What's really special about this, the top one has the ability to hold food hot, and the bottom compartment has the ability to hold food cold. So you can keep this in the recommended temperature range with it shut, plugged in indefinitely as you unplug it and use it to transport without opening the doors it'll hold that temp for four hours it's got universal sheet pan racks that are available so cool. and adjustable they come out and they go for size you can put your sheet pans your pizza boxes your hotel pans just a lot of different products and hold it at temp like and so paper. chef marcus's first thing that he would say is is this easily cleanable right here yes uh, sure is so if you the back the heating and the cooling processes are made to be removed. You can take it apart, take it to a, a cart station and just hose it out as much as you need to. Very easy to clean. It's NSF. There's no uh, difficult nooks or crannies anywhere. Fantastic. Keep that right up to you, Howard, when you talk, because Jay's probably like, man, I hear the fan and you. <laughs> right here, this is something, and I'll tell you what, you guys, as we're navigating indoor and outdoor dining, if you're trying to figure out how do I keep my food great for outdoor dining, this, this product would probably be really cool for you to look at as far as catering as well, too. More kitchen basics, Blake. <laughs> All right, so more kitchen basics. This grill is pretty cool. This is a grill. It's called a Yoder Smoker. This is from our friends from Proud Soul Barbecue and Provisions. But there are a lot of capabilities with the change outs. And that's some of the things that chefs look for is how many 
things can you do on this? When you look at this masterpiece right here, it's like a palette. This thing is beautiful. This I, is, I got like so many things to it, uh, turning in my head right now. You can change this out and put more grates on there if yep. you want to grill for a, like a larger side of an animal. I love having the flat top option on there too, alongside the grate as well. It's really a fun piece of equipment. And this is a Santa Maria. Down and like smoke in there as well. Yeah, you, you know. see the chimney. So a Santa Maria is when you can bring the, lift the fire up or down to be able to. Yeah, and this has adjustable grate here. Look at that. It has great capabilities. So Kitchen Basics is what's covered at the beginning of the class. This week, an overall overview of what people will be covering this yeah, week. Yeah, just a tour of the kitchen, essentially. Yeah. Uh, should we go to the walk-in? Please. All right. Cool. Um, so probably just open that door, and Dragon will get a camera inside of there. But you want to look about storage. I hope we're good to go. There's not much in our walk-in right now except beer. <laughs> We'll cover walk-in and storage. Um, I think a lot of people really need to understand what the health department is looking for in there, but there's ways of storage of where you have your meats and you don't want them above your vegetables and that kind of thing. So, and, and a lot of labeling goes on too. Absolutely. We like to teach our students the proper way to store product inside of a walk-in based on Metro shelving racks like you see inside there right now. Um, and the reason that we store these things is because they cook to different temperatures to eliminate specific bacteria mm -hmm. common to say chicken or to say ground meats or oh, why we always put ready to eat foods on the very top rack is because nothing can essentially drip on top of it from there so just some some good practices that you'd want to take with you inside your career in the kitchen and then serve safe is another thing and again this is a gimme this class emily griffith culinary quick start as is being held here at the modern eater you can get more information the modern eater.com but uh, serve safe is something that is a really good tool to have in your back pocket. Talk about what serve safe is. Yeah, serve safe nationally recognized food handlers uh, certification as well. We try to we get all of our students to do it, um, and through Emily Griffith Technical College, we pay for it for you guys. So all you really got to do is study, take good notes, um, listen to what Chef Marcus and myself have to say regarding food safety during the class, um, and then take a stab at it. I mean, it's. It's something that's good for two years. So once you have it, um, you get a certificate that you can print out and you can attach it and bring it alongside your resume for when you go into a job interview. Um, and you'll have that. That way the employer knows that you're serious about cooking food the right way and keeping your customers safe. We're going to be covering a lot of ground, but every week on Mondays, you can look forward to these two chefs in here with us, and we'll cover some other things, but we're looking to synergize. Chefs, I know that there are a lot of, there's a lot of you that are very talented, and this educational aspect is really cool. So as we talk about the curriculum, we want you to jump in and give us some feedback. And you can email us directly, themoderneater at gmail.com. But also, again, this is a gimme, and this is behind a wall for just students. So this isn't going to be something that we stream. It's free free to you. You can sign up. If you're looking to sharpen your skills, we ask you to join us. If you're new to the industry, we ask you to join us. But what you will see is the community that we've cultivated, is all the talent within this industry, and we'll have some guest instructors in here with these chefs uh, as much as we possibly can through that. So that's something that I think you'll really enjoy um, being a part of this culinary crew with these guys. So again, Emily Griffith Culinary Quick Start. You can jump on themoderneater.com. It's a no-cost class, and you can sign up. 
It's probably a little too late for this next three weeks, but you can come into the next one, uh, which is about a month from now. Every month there's a new class. Four weeks from today. We should have a new one starting. Four weeks from today. So jump in on that. You're going to see a lot of this, and you're going to see a lot of the community coming together as regulations loosen. We are here in the kitchen being very respectful, and that's another thing that you need to learn is that there is COVID protocol inside of kitchens right now, and that needs to be followed um, to the best of your abilities. It's something that's very important to keep uh, a restaurant nice and healthy. I want to take a break, and I want to come back. You guys have some food laid out here. Uh, and then also we have this chef, Mike Russo, here with us from Vide Compsys. And Elin Wenzel, we're going to do some basic knife skill stuff. Come on over here, Elin. This is my pal. we got a microphone. Hand Elin one of these microphones. Elin. Good to be here. Man, good to see you again. We're going to do some basic knife skills, and as you can see, we're blessed to have Elin's Knives here in the kitchen. Yes, sir. Element Knife Company. But basic knife skills, I need to pay attention and listen to this one. What, what type of things are we going to cover today, Elin? It's important. Well, we're, I think it's to fall in line with Emily Griffith. I think we should talk about some basics and safety, how to properly hold a knife and, and uh, hold your hands. So yes. these, this is not one of your knives. It's similar looking. Similar looking. Can yeah. you hold it like this? <laughs> Only if you need to fall on your sword <laughs> if you've done something absolutely wrong. How do you hold it? How do you, where do you put it? Is there a certain place yeah, on your so board? Is there, that's, those are, well, this is a teaser. Okay. We're teaser. teasing right now. Gotcha. Do you cut this way? Do you cut away from you? Yeah, and there are uh, those things. We'll learn all these things and more. Sharp, basic sharpenings, how you can tell if this knife, the tool, the size of a knife, does the size of a knife matter? Not always. We'll figure that out. Okay, we'll break away. we got a lot of stuff to cover. We're so glad that you're joining here today from Studio Kitchen, Colorado. The whole cast and crew will be back in a flash. The Modern Eater Show continues. Hey, guys, Alex Armitas over at Sam's Number 3 Glendale. You want a Bloody Mary? You want a cheeseburger? You want a breakfast burrito? Greek salad? Bacon gyro meat? Chicken souvlaki? Barbecue ranch salad? We got you covered. Come down and see us. One more time. Try it again. Hey, guys, Alex Armitas over here at Sam's Number 3 Glendale. Now get your ass to themoderneater.com. Thank you so much. We started Meridium Spirits because we love the way that spirits and cocktails can bring people together to socialize, to bond, to have conversations. Well, right now we've got some big conversations to have. Coop Vodka and Coop Gin are available at liquor stores across the metro area, but if you can't find us or would like to have us behind your bar or at your restaurant, send us an email, info at meridiumspirits.com. We know things are a little different these days, but think of us the next time you're planning a virtual happy hour or a socially distant picnic. And keep an eye on our social media, Coop by Meridium, for all the latest and greatest. 
Hey guys, it's Caroline Glover. I'm the chef owner of Annette out at Stanley Marketplace. Citrus is about to be in its prime. I just want to thank everybody for showing so much support to small local restaurants in this really hard time. And you're watching the Modern Eater Show. <laughs> I'm fine with that. All right, back to Studio Kitchen Colorado. Lots of stuff going on right here. A lot of chefs here in the kitchen, and that's what I really love to do. You know what else I love? I love delicious craft beer, the way it's intended to taste, just the way the brewer wanted it to taste. There's a cool guy in town. His name's Jeff Rourke from A-Plus Beverage Solutions. He's a family man, and he's a local business owner. Those two things with the expertise of Jeff Rourke, that's exactly what you want to do. I'm going up to Monarch's beautiful new casino and resort in Blackhawk this weekend. Jeff Rourke did that build out, and I'll tell you, that wasn't an easy one. From the hardest to the smallest, biggest to the smallest, Jeff Rourke has got you covered. If you're pouring in a fish and beer, Jay, what are you doing? You're pouring your money down the drain. Don't pour your money down the drain. Just get a hold of Jeff Rourke and A-Plus Beverage Solutions. If you need to add a line, he's got you covered. Whether it's wine, water, nitro, coffee, kombucha, add another line, he can be there for you. If you have your glycol system and needs to be tweaked a little bit because foam is money, he can do that for you as well. The build-out is perfect. He's the guy you want to deal with your tap systems, and he's just a phone call away. 720-272-3809. Did I go too fast, Dragon? Do it again. 720-272-3809. It's Jeff Rourke and A-Plus Beverage Solutions. Emily Griffith, Culinary Quick Start. In the studio here with us today, we have these great chefs with us. We also have Mike Russo from Roadhouse Boulder Depot. You haven't been there? You should go there, and you'll see why today. Chefs here with us, and we have Elon Wenzel as well. Look at these four chefs, the handsome chefs in the kitchen right now. Take it away, guys, and talk about what we're going to do here right now. All right, so what we got set up here, we're just going to do some classic chicken breast cutlets. Um, and I believe Chef Marcus is going to knock out a blanching vegetable demo and a crudite platter and some banya cauda. Yeah, it's good eating for everybody. Let's check it out, man. Cool. Here, I'll hold this up. Look at that beautiful knife you have right there. Element Knife Company. Yeah, sure. Um, so what Blake's doing is uh, we're having this uh, chicken breast uh, so that we can kind of uh, get like a nice even cook on it. Um, And then we're going to season these guys. We've seasoned our flour here. We're going to mix up these eggs, and then we seasoned our breadcrumbs with some garlic as well as some, uh, a little bit of dried basil and salt and pepper. Aspen Baking's breadcrumbs. Thank you very much, Aspen Baking. <laughs> Thank you, Jay. Whipping it up. All right. So the three-step breading technique, which we're going to do over or go over right now is, is, is pretty simple. It's very standard. Um, you want to keep one hand dry and one hand wet because if you start mixing all these things together with your hands, you're going to be a big gooey mess by the end of it. It's, no, it's kind of funny to look at, but it's not really fun to walk it's around. It's not paper mache. No, not at all. So I'm top of a couple of these guys in there. And we're dredging these with some flour on the outside so that the egg will stick to it. Shake off the excess, drop them down here into the egg mix. Who doesn't love cutlets? All right. I'm going to pull these out and let them drain just slightly. 
toss them into here. Oh yeah. See, I'm alternating my hand with the dry and the wet. I like to flip it over. Nice Aspen baking breadcrumb <laughs> on top of here. That's right. <laughs> there we go. And we love local partnerships. That's really what it's all about to have those partnerships. Yeah, man. Eat local, shop local. Live and you're lo gonna bake that. Local. Yeah, we're gonna fry these into the into in that sunflower oil. Oh, you there? are gonna fry it. Yeah, and then all we'll right. finish them off in the oven real quick. That's fantastic. That oven's still on, right? Yeah. So uh, another thing that you will also cover is temperatures, uh, temperature of chicken, temperature yeah. of pork, uh, and, and, and what, what things should be cooked to. So what's uh, chicken? Chicken, what? we're going to go for 165 Fahrenheit. Should you ever in a kitchen just guesstimate, or should you always <laughs> temp it out? Uh, you should always temp. Um, when in doubt, you should always temp it, um, especially because... Chicken can harbor some really nasty bacteria that'll make you or your customers very sick from eating it under undercooked. And I think that um, keeping our customers safe and returning back to eat at our restaurants is, is pretty much what we're all, what we're what we're about. With chicken, it's always safe. Better be safe than sorry. Absolutely. How about pork? I know a lot of times with pork these days, the pork is a lot better and and, yes. and of quality as well and storage and that type of things. Can you have pork rare? Um, so the, there's a really cool thing that restaurants do uh, that I'm sure we've all seen when you go out to dinner where you can, you'll notice this little asterisk on the menu where it says eating undercooked foods could potentially be slightly harmful to you. But that's kind of yourself acknowledging that you, you, you want to eat this rare. So if the restaurant's willing to cook it rare for you, they probably will. And pork is bred a lot, a lot cleaner than it was back in the day to where people used to be very scared about mm -hmm. it. And used to cook the ever-loving, they cook it till it was bone dry. Mm -hmm. um, we don't necessarily need to do that these days. Well, Elin, one of the best sushi chefs that I know, um, gosh, growing up as a kid, I, did sushi, I mean, it had to have existed, didn't Elin, when I was a kid a million years ago? But it seemed, it seemed like eating raw fish, that was just, man, that wasn't something that you wanted to do. What? <laughs> what, what yeah, Come on up here. It's not common for Western. Give him a microphone. It's not common for the Western palate. And I hated sushi when I was a kid. But I fell into it in 99 and fell in love and stuck with it. Yeah, and but if it's done right and treated right. Sure. Fish and beef are really things that you can eat raw. Am, am I right? Is yeah. that, are those the only ones? Well, they also go through a lot of cooking processes. Like the fish, um, you know, you, it gets frozen on the boat to kill a lot of the parasites. And then... Um, a lot of sushi restaurants will treat the fish either with salt or uh, like sake, sake um, and the alcohol will actually kill a lot of the parasites as well. Gotcha. That's exactly right. A lot of preservative methods. Yeah. True or false? I read somewhere that if you eat sushi, you have parasites. False. False? False as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I love sushi for sure. Uh, your favorite sushi dish? Ooh, I love sea urchin. Do you really? Yeah. yeah, very nice. I would, I would never guess that'd be your fa out of all of it. That sea urchin, huh? When, when it's good, it's great, and it kind of tastes like how rain smells. Are you, <laughs> the way what smells? How rain smells. Oh, how rain smells. That's an interesting. <laughs> yeah, earthy heard. notes, a little bit citrus. I've never heard that one. Yeah. Before, are we gonna fry this up now? Yeah, let's cook these babies up. Here we go. Here you go, Chef. I'll take that mic cool. from you because you're mic'd up, and we are getting in here. Chef, anything you'd change so far? Or what no, you're not yet. Everything looks damn good. 
Yeah, absolutely. We've really fallen in love with you guys, Chef James Doxon, yourself over there, Vibe Concepts, and your place in Boulder, uh, Roadhouse Boulder Depot. How would you explain your style? There's of a quick food? boy right here. So it's pretty American. You know, we're pub, a uh, little elevated. We have a great uh, span. Uh, sorry, a Asian influence. Yeah. You know, we have quite a bit of uh, poke bowls and some mm. uh, paleo bowls and things of that nature, you know. So we're going through a menu change right now. We're uh, going to try and rebrand a little bit and go with the Roadhouse concept and bring in some more ribs and some pizzas and, oh, nice. you know. Get down to some dirty, grubby food that just is elevated and excellent. I love it. We were at um, Reaver's Bar and Grill in Washington Park hanging out with Steve and James Stockson, and you've got some great people in that kitchen as well. But that food, you're right, it's elevated. And ingredients and the way that you put it together, really it pays uh, close attention to detail within your group. Correct. So as you guys were talking about earlier, you know, everybody's looking for locally sourced things. We have a great food, or we have a great beef program with uh, Aspen Range that's Colorado-based. Uh, you know, we use... We use Aspen Baking as well and the Spice Guys, which is a call. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're great. Uh, We work very closely with them. They do a lot of things. They have uh, some proprietary blends for us specifically. So it's exciting. Uh, Company's growing. You know, we just opened up a Castle Rock. uh, We opened up a restaurant in Castle Rock with Great Divide and ourselves, Mm -hmm. and they got full brewery in there, and they're bumping. They're going crazy over there. Do you get down there much? I haven't been yet. But when I go down there, I'm going to have a lot we're gonna, of fun. Yeah, That's we're going to do down. that one together. Absolutely. And knives. Are you interested in knife skills and that type uh, of thing? Always. I mean, I was looking at that beautiful element knife right there, and it is gorgeous. I might be uh, talking to a rep over there and picking up a new one after the show. That's for sure. Uh, Elon's always ready to go. And so the, the, the knife skills, we're going to do that together. But you're also going to cook something in the kitchen here for us today. Yeah, so I'm making one of our signature dishes. It's our uh, lemon chicken dish. It's got uh, jalapeno cream cheese mashed potatoes. Braised kale, uh, pan-seared chicken with a, uh, oh boy, blanking. That's fun. Live TV, right? Uh, <laughs> You're fine, Jeff. <laughs> it's uh, herb cream sauce. So it comes together really nicely. Yeah, he's all set up and ready to go. Where's your cart? It's in the walk-in. It's in the walk-in, ready to go. And I get the okay. So you can get ready for that with Chef Mike Beautiful. Russo. We'll go over here and do a little play-by-play. Fellas, what you got going on? Just looks like a little bit of uh, up some beautiful cutlets right there. Yeah, on this jade range. Uh, talk to the effect of, and I don't know where Howard is right now, but really what heat distribution is and to have a good range for that. That's very helpful, Marcus. Yeah, you just want like a very even flame underneath the, uh, the pan just so that you don't have a, a hot spot uh, on your pan. Uh, that way everything is going to cook evenly. Um, notice when Blake's putting these chicken cutlets in that he's kind of laying them away from himself. That way, uh, if you have any splatter uh, with the oil, it's away from you. Um, Looks delicious, guys. A little bit of salt on there. Yeah, we like to we like to show our students like all the things that you would probably want to do to make sure that your food is always going to taste really good. Um, seasoning after you fry things is always something that I try to ingrain in them, you know, because if you pull something straight out of a fryer or out of a kind of a deeper fry light that we got inside the saute pan right here, you're going to lose a lot of that really good flavor that we might have had in the beginning just from the oil coating your tongue. Mm-hmm. Join these guys. I think it's very worthwhile. Again, it's no cost to you, and it's Emily Griffith Culinary Quick Start. Whether you're a beginner or, you're, you know, you've got those skills in the kitchen, you just want to keep them sharp and you love community and networking, 
I think it's worth your time. And we've got the best of the best as far as equipment goes and elevation food service reps. And we'll bring some good experts in here all the time so that you can uh, learn from the pros. These guys, this is going to be good, and we're going to start it off tonight. What can people expect this week? This week we're going to go through, like we saw here, the three-step breading process. We're going to do a ton of knife safety um, and knife cuts, trying to get people who are following along at home familiar with uh, how we like to see people handle a knife inside of a kitchen, um, how people should be cutting their vegetables to make sure that they don't get a bunch of strain on their joints and stuff. Because when you cook a food for a living, you tend to stand on your feet for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and you want to try and preserve your body as, as best you can. I think you're absolutely right. Okay, we've got Chef Mike Russo setting up here, and we're going to have Elin also set up. I think we'll do some knife skills and then some more cooking. Are you ready to go with some knife skills next, Elin? For sure. Okay, fantastic. We'll come back. All the chefs are going to do some knife skills. Then you're going to see Chef Mike Russo in action, and all is well in the world, kitchen and, uh, cooking inside of Studio Kitchen Colorado. Thanks for joining us. We're going to take a break. We'll come back. We'll see this final dish, and then we'll jump into some nice skills with the pros. Okay, take a break. Come back right here, Studio Kitchen Colorado. Thanks for joining us again. Emily Griffith Culinary Quick Start, and your sign-up is on themoderneater.com. You'll see it right there, Emily Griffith Culinary Quick Start. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back to Studio Kitchen Colorado before you know it. Hi, I'm Amber with Strohauer Farms. And I'm just here to remind you that the best potatoes are grown here in Colorado. Goodness elevated. Thanks for watching the Modern Eater Show. (laughs) Hey, Zach Ryder here, Colorado Mills Sunflower Products out of Lamar, Colorado. Your only local source grown from a local crop to produce a local oil for local chefs. You can find it at Shamrock Foods, What Chefs Want, Seattle Fish Company. Uh, Let me try it one more time, then we'll see. Hey, restaurants, we're glad you're reopening from Colorado Mills Sunflower Oil. We'll see you soon. (laughs) First, we partner with the best farmers in the world, and then we tell them, we will take it all. Process whole spices daily, blend custom spices to order, keep it fresh, safe, and flavorful, also that you can get back to doing what you do best. So whether you're a restaurant, a food manufacturer, or an at-home cook, be sure to visit The Spice Guy at www.thespiceguyco.com. Hey Modern Eater fans, I'm Don Trobo with The Annex by Art at Mills, and I just wanted to give you a heads up about some of the great things we've got going on locally in the state. We're headquartered right here, and we're working with farmers in the San Luis Valley to bring you amazing Colorado quinoa. just like the South American stuff, but grown locally. We've got transitional wheat flour that's grown by farmers in Colorado and surrounding states who are in the process of of turning their fields into organic. So we're taking that transitional wheat and turning it into flour, and now it's available for you to cook and bake with. And last but not least, we're now cleaning grain berries in Denver. So things like spelt or wheat berries uh, or pearl barley, those are things that we're now doing right here locally and are available to you. Can't wait to share it with you. (laughs) Hi, I'm Jeff Nations from Aspen Baking Company. It's really important right now to support local. That's why I support the Modern Eater. Now, back to the show. Hey.
<laughs> What's going on, everybody? This is Brother Luck from Lucky Dumpling, for by Brother Luck in Colorado Springs, and I am rocking with the Modern Eater. You're watching them, you're tasting them, you're knowing everything there is to know about Colorado. <laughs> Hi, Charlie from Brews Beers here. Our new Belgian Abbey Four Pack is a mixed package of the four core beers made in Abbey and Trappist breweries in Belgium. So we have a single, a double, a triple, and a quadruple in one package. Now, quadruples are the emperors of Belgian monastery ales. They're dark in color uh, with a dense tan head and alcohol ranging from 8 to 12%. So they're pretty strong. Quadruples are very rich and complex with big maltiness, uh, spice, and flavors of raisins, cherries, and plums. Alcohol is apparent in the mouthfeel, but not overwhelming. Uh, even at 10.5% ABV. So the finish is long, complex, and dry, and they're great beers anytime, by themselves or with hearty foods. Pick up your Abbey Four Pack at either Brews location, 67th and Pencos, or at Colfax in York, and at fine liquor stores throughout the Denver metro area. Take home some Belgian-style badassery today. Watching the Modern Eater, and now back to the show. Welcome back to Studio Kitchen Colorado. This is the stuff that I love. I love to learn, and hopefully you do too. TheModernEater.com. Check out Emma Griffith Culinary Quick Start. Um, but we're going to do some nice skills right now. All the chefs are lined up all in their places with sunshiny faces, and Elon Wenzel is going to take this away. Some basic stuff, and I'm just going to be that guy that throws some dumb questions okay. at you. Don't <laughs> laugh me out of the room, chefs, because these are questions that I don't know the answer to. But take it away, just basic knife skills. I notice that you have your knife facing yeah, away from so you, Elon. Just to echo the sentiments from two segments ago, you know, restaurants are on skeleton crews now, so you want to have the right tools, good tools. This is what we do. This is our chosen profession. And the ethos of Element Knife Company is support and education. So that being said, uh, how you hold a knife depends on what you're cutting. There are times where you really want to choke up on the knife. There are times where you might put your forefinger over the top. Um, we always talk about safety. When you're not using the knife, you want to set the knife at the top of your cutting board with the blade away. That way, if you're like wiping or using your hands over here, chances of uh, an accident are less. Sharp knives are safer than dull knives. Um, they will go where you want them to go, and on the off chance that you do cut yourself, a, uh, a clean cut will heal faster than a dull cut. And then we talk about the claw. So our fingertips are vulnerable. We want to tuck those underneath our knuckles, and this middle knuckle will be our guide. So we can go back and forth, whether I'm holding something wide or more narrow. Your middle knuckle. Middle knuckle. Okay. Yeah. It's your guide. So the blade shouldn't come higher than your middle knuckle. And that's to be said if we're doing work on the cutting board, mm -hmm. typically. And, and remember, a kitchen is a much faster pace than what we're doing oh, here. Yeah. So those things are set up for speed, I would imagine. Yeah. Right? And when you're learning these techniques, go slow. Practice your form. And when you do a task, time yourself and try to beat your time every, every time you do that same task. Let's get Chef Russo over here some stuff to cut. You got any things for me that I can... Some carrots? Absolutely. A little broccoli? 
you got some more stuff there. Okay, guys, uh, and just go through. Again, these are basics, and, and don't expect everybody to know this, but if, um, if, if you don't, here yeah, you go. Yeah, you know, and there's, there's more than one ways to skin a cat, but just to, when we talk about bell peppers, a lot of the time you might want to cut the inside, that flesh side first, because the skin can be tough. But to show what a good knife and a sharp knife can do, it offers little resistance. So we're not going to talk about classical vegetable cuts right now. We're just going to talk about form, going slow. And I notice you cutting away from you on there that There are one. different techniques. Now, I have a chef's knife, what the Japanese call gyuto. It's the most versatile knife. There's a bit of a belly on this. Uh, a Japanese chef's knife has some slight nuances that are different from like a French or German chef's knife where this last third is a little bit more flat because the Japanese actually have a technique where the whole knife comes off of the cutting board and pushes forward. And with that, this flat area gives full contact. But I could do the same technique where I'm rocking or pulling back, which is more of a French technique. Interesting. So once again, we talked about you know, different ways to skin a cat. But as long as you're working smart, working clean, and doing things that make sense, right? Like if I want to cut this bell pepper, I'll probably cut off all the sides first, and then I'll bring them all to, if I'm right-handed, all to the left so I can grab with my left and cut with my right. If these were all over here, I'd be crossing over myself, and it would be very slow. And dangerous. And potentially dangerous. That's right. Yep. Uh, Chef Blake, uh, Chef Marcus, you guys jump in with some of the stuff that you cover in your course, too. Yeah, absolutely. We, we definitely talk about a lot of the classical knife cuts, especially the ones that you probably see the most inside of kitchens these days. Um, small dice, julienne, runois, batonets, things of that nature. Um, we don't teach them tor <laughs> tornays. Um, yeah. Nobody does that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, You're trying to keep it on the board. What is it? Tornays are they're just they're a pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah. um, you basically make like a seven-sided football out of a round vegetable. And they're notoriously just difficult. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, absolutely, just like Chef Eatland was talking about, the claw, which a lot of, a lot of cooks, when we teach them um, later in life, it's they're, they're relearning how to do this. And that, I think, poses a huge challenge. And so we're always very proud of these guys when they come out. And they consistently use the claw. And they're pinching the knife the right way. They're not trying to choke or strangle the thing too hard. Um, just really good technique and form. That's right. Yeah, I mean, we, we always... The reason that we hold the knife where we do it, like not back here, um, <laughs> is because this is where the uh, center of balance is. Um, and you're going to have um, all the control um, if you're holding the knife at the center of balance, uh, you know, where the center of gravity is. Um, so you're going to have a lot more control over your knife this way. Um, do we have a knife with like a Japanese hand? Like, there's different styles, hand styles of handle, too. This is probably our closest um, approximation. Yeah, this is the uh, closest to like what we call a, you know, a Japanese-style handle. Um, you can kind of see that um, the tang, um, this might be cool, um, kind of comes, it's going to go through, um, and then this is the bolster right here, usually made of, like, a horn. Um, but you can see here on, like, this Western-style knife that the uh, tang goes all the way through the entire handle, hmm. um, and then it gets riveted. Interesting. We do see three different sizes of knives here, Elon. 
does, is it just a preference or like how how if you're it, it, six foot five use this knife if you're five nine use this knife does it have anything to do with yeah, the so size it, of it a person? Yeah, it kind of depends. There there are specific tools for certain tasks, right? Like we were talking about tournée earlier. We would be most comfortable using a bird's beak paring knife or something like that. When it comes to a chef's knife like this for general prep, you can do a, a, a 24 centimeter or a 21 centimeter, which would be like an eight inch or even a six inch. Uh, you know, it doesn't make sense for me to be cutting like maybe small fish or be butchering small fish with a mm -hmm. knife like this. I'd want to use something more appropriate for that. Mm -hmm. But in terms of like general purpose, uh, anywhere between like an eight and 10 inch chef's knife would be appropriate. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, the difference, guys, between cutting vegetables and cutting proteins. Um, so Is there any technique wise? I think it, you'd probably rely on what's most comfortable for you to, to achieve the job successfully. Like if you're cutting down animals and stuff, some may like to use a boning knife for that. Um, you can certainly use this knife. It might be a little bit awkward getting around sure. joints and stuff like that. Yeah. Because you want to make sure you clean as much meat off of that carcass as you can. Um, yeah, certain shapes lend themselves to certain tasks better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, something like a scimitar and a boning knife are better for butchering like red meats. Uh, I might want to use something like uh, a deba or a miyoroshi deba, and I learned that from the Japanese. That's a spe specific kind of knife for butchering fish, specifically removing heads and fillets. Um, so yeah, it's just you know certain fundamentals that go across no matter what you're doing, right? So how you work on your board, uh, your form too. Like, don't you know? Feel free to move the product in a way that's more comfortable and makes sense. You don't have to keep food product up here and like lean over. Bring it down and do that, right? So same with if you're butchering a fish, right? Set the fish, angle it up, or this way, depending on where you are in that process, so that it makes sense and that it's comfortable and that you're efficient. So you don't get a neck strain. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, posture and how you stand. The kid. You're on your feet a lot, aren't you guys? And, mm -hmm. and then the shoes that you wear, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so beginner knife skills, we're going to be covering some of that tonight. I also think that handling is important, but also... Uh, cleaning and storage, too. So you just throw that in the dishwasher, don't you, Elin? I wanted to watch it. <laughs> oh, the knife? No. no. <laughs> a knife never goes in a dishwasher. How do you care for a knife? So you just want to wop. You know, when you're done using it for that particular task, you want to wipe it clean. Uh, when you're done for the day, uh, warm, soapy water. And even in between tasks, of course, because we don't want cross-contamination. So that's, the, that's it, basically. Yeah. Do you put it back in its case or in a sleeve? Yeah, at the end of the night. And it's, you know, knives are very personal. Some chefs have knife bags or knife rolls or attache cases. Some leave their, you know, if the work environment is safe, you can leave your knives there. Otherwise, chefs take them home. Yeah, tell, everybody has a story about their knives that they love. Is this your personal knife, this chef? Is my personal. Let me see that microphone for a second. All right, your knife. Why do you love your knife, and what, what about it is that this is your, your keeper for you? Well, this is a big one for me because this is what I got when I went to school at Johnson & Wales. Okay. So it, it has a lot of Personal. memories sure. tied with this, so I like to use this. Um, I do have another knife that I use in the kitchen at my restaurant, uh, a shun, which I love. It's very sharp, but I definitely don't leave my knives around because, as you said, everybody's got a horror story about a knife, and we don't need to go into it, but my philosophy is it's your knife. You take care of it. You keep it safe, and you put a guard in whatever you got to do, and it's your knife. It's your property. Knives are very personal to chefs. Chef Blake, you, what your knife and why you chose it. This, this is my – I've used this knife every day for probably – five years mm -hmm. it was a christmas gift from my old employer frank bonanno um yeah just a 
Fantastic knife. Um, and then something to note about Japanese steel, you don't ever want to put these knives away wet because um, they'll turn color on you. Just keep in mind. But it's, yeah, I love this knife. It's been with me for a very long time. It's interesting. And as we go around the horn here, Elon, you'll take this in. It'll all make sense when I ask you the question. Uh, Chef Marcus, your knife right there. Um, yeah, kind of similar. I think it's the same, same length. This is a Masamoto. Um, given to me by my dad for a Christmas gift, and um, I had this sharpened um, to like a 70-30 for a left-handed person. Uh, I'm left-handed, Chuck Blake's also left-handed, so if we demo anything and it looks backwards, uh, <laughs> that's exactly why. Um, but yeah, I had this, like, this sharpened to a 70-30 bevel um, for a lefty. Uh, I've had this for, oh man, I don't even know how long at this point, but yeah, it's my everyday knife. Like I only, I pretty much use two knives for ninety-five percent of all the cooking I do, mm-hmm. um, and then I've got like a, another sashimi knife that I use for just fish and slicing meats. But um, yeah, ninety-five percent of the cooking I, I I do with these. Knives are completely personal. So if you get into a program like this, you're like, I don't have my knife or my story yet. That's where Elin comes into play, right? That's right? So there's two parts of this, Chef. You hear from these guys all the time. The chefs are already in the business, and they've got this attachment. I mean, it, it truly is their lover. This is something that they love yeah, and they want absolutely. and have stories behind it. How do you introduce a different knife into their lives? The, the, the <laughs> mistress. How do you bring the mistress Well, into you know, one family? good thing is, like, if you come into a shop like mine, you can pick the knives up and look at them and feel the balance, like Marcus had talked about earlier. The Japanese knives actually have something referred to as a sweet pop, uh, the sweet point, which mm-hmm. is two-thirds down from the point where the knife feels balanced when it's in motion, and mm-hmm. that really helps it become an extension of your hand. Mm-hmm. And those nuances change from knife to knife depending on the alloyed material that it's made from uh, and the handle material. Inherently, some of those materials are heavier or lighter than others. Mm-hmm. But it's a good way to get a feel for the knife and how it's going to function for you. I got a great marketing idea for you, story-wise. Right. <laughs> you come into Element Knife and you're at uh, Broadway Market, right? Oh, no. we had Where to, You moved. Yeah, we had Stanley. to Stanley. Yeah. I love it. I got to see the new digs. Yeah. A uh, great place to go. Here's how you give them that story. Just give them a little flesh wound. <laughs> Just on the arm or someplace, and then you, the the story's already there with yeah. that knife. The Elin, crazy Elin, the, the, cut the, me <laughs> with his knife. This is the knife, and now it's in. Would, would that work for you guys at all? Just a small flesh wound? I mean, they're going to end up cutting themselves at some point. <laughs> they are. Everybody New does. knives are typically hungry for blood. Exactly. It's now a part of you. <laughs> so, so uh, a beginner, which knife would you want to tell a beginner to come and, and get from you at Element Knife? So I think a good knife for a beginner that I typically suggest is a 21-centimeter or 8-inch chef's knife. It's, like I said, it's the most versatile knife. It will offer them a lot of versatility with that particular size. And then when they become comfortable, if they need longer knives or bigger knives or whatever their tasks are, they will have worked up to that essentially yeah uh, here's one thing that i did learn as we went around the horn a lot of these knives johnson wales that was your knife from there banano gave you your knife as well you have a story with your knife guys owner operators get some knives for your guys in the kitchen the guys and gals in the kitchen you get a nice gift for them they'll remember it forever yeah and especially if you can in these support days. local yeah. talk about element knife company before we wrap this baby up and you can join elin for some knife skills. I think your schedule will come back in a couple of weeks. That's right. And join yeah. them. 25th, maybe? I can't remember. And do some education. I'm wrong. Yeah. 
that'll be some good stuff. Talk about Element Knife. So yeah, we're a small self-funded business. I'm a chef by trade, uh, classically trained, and then I fell into sushi. I ended up training sushi in Japan in 2004, and that solidified sushi and knives for life. And then I had the opportunity to sell knives, and it's just been uh, a grassroots ever, uh, effort ever since then. Um, and really, like I said earlier, the, uh, the ethos of Element Knife Company is support and education. We offer industry discounts on knives, industry discounts on sharpening services. Uh, feel free to come by the shop and we can talk about, you know, if you wa want to understand something about sharpening your own knives, I invite chefs to come. We just have them come behind the counter. We'll go over all those uh, uh, processes and fundamentals and talk shop and I'm here for you guys. I'd say go there, Stanley Marketplace. Elon Wenzel, Chef Elon Wenzel, he's a friend of ours. We love him tremendously, but that's what you want to do. Grab your knives, go in there. Elon's happy to sharpen them for you. I think at a small price, right? Like so yeah, retail is $2 per inch, but for industry folks, it's a dollar an inch. And that's hand sharpening on Japanese water ceramic stones. It's the best way to get your knife sharp. Keep your tools nice and sharp, right? That's right. How do you guys sharpen your knives? Try a stone. Yeah, I use a whetstone. Whetstone, for sure. Okay, go in, check them out, check out their knives too. Uh, Chef Russo, you already said you might be talking to Elon right here. Yeah, I'm he, talking to his number very soon. And he wants to get cut on his arm for, <laughs> for this story. Okay, we'll take, we'll take a break. We'll come right back. Thank you, Chef. Thank you. Always love seeing you. Uh, in the Kitchen, brought to you by Elevation What's Food up? Service Reps. For all of your kitchen yeah. needs, reach out to Elevation Food Service Reps. And uh, I need to get uh, a direct contact phone number to tell you guys where to go for that. Chef Mike Russo, in the kitchen with us now. Vibe Concepts. You're going to cook up what for us, Chef? We're going to do one of our signature dishes. It's the lemon Roadhouse Boulder Depot, and uh, we'll be back. Studio Kitchen, Colorado. Thanks for joining us. Hey, you guys. Jay here with the Modern Eater Show. Thanks for watching. Don't forget about our YouTube and Instagram channels. A lot of killer content over there. Throw us a subscribe on YouTube. Throw us a follow on Instagram. And thank you for supporting TME. We couldn't do this without our amazing sponsors, so let's check them out right now. Very proud to be part of the, the Modern Eater and uh, chefs, restaurant owners, any food service operators. You know, I know right now that uh, delivery and carry out is bigger than ever and we got you covered. Uh, Cambro uh, has a full line of uh, delivery and carry out items. More economical options are expanded polypropylene or EPP, a uh, nice insulated container. Uh, the ProCard Ultra is really versatile. It's a great unit because you could actually store cold products down here, hot products up here. It's all 120. There's no refrigeration worries. It's all thermodynamics. Just let us know what your food service challenges are, what it is we can do to help you out, and there isn't anything that we can't do for you. So uh, hope to see you over here at our facility in Park Hill soon and uh, stay safe out there. You know everybody, with several million dollars of hard assets here, insurance is very, very important to us. Ewing Levitt covers it all. Machinery, building, workman's comp. Ewing Levitt's got us covered from the floor to the ceiling, from our alley, even to the street. This divider, this press, my cooling conveyor, my oven. Ow, ow! Ewing Levitt covers our counter stacker and our employees too. If you need insurance, take it from Little Rich at Rockalitas. Call Ewing Levitt, they'll get you covered.
I go home, I strip down to my skivvies. All right, here we go. I got it, I got it, I got it. Hey everybody, Steve Gould from Golden Moon Distillery and Golden Moon Speakeasy. When I get my cocktails to go from Golden Moon Speakeasy, I go home, I kick back, and I watch The Modern Eater. Skivvies. Hey, I'm a Marine. It's Skivvies, man. Welcome back to Studio Kitchen Colorado. It is smelling delicious here in the kitchen. It is a Monday, and it is the 11th of January. Thanks for joining us. Uh, in the Kitchen, brought to you by Elevation Food Service Reps. For all of your kitchen needs, get a hold of Elevation Food Service Reps. Back to this camera right here. Okay, Chef Mike Russo in the kitchen with us. Roadhouse Boulder Depot. Yes, I can't wait to see you cook this up. This is one of your dishes, isn't it, Chef? This is. This is. Uh, this has been a dish on our menu for quite some time. It's one of our biggest sellers, so it... Uh you know, we have a lot to do with this dish, and it's just a good, good, solid dish. It's filling. Good dish. Let's see, create this bad boy. Absolutely. And then we'll kind of do the play-by-play -play sure. as we go. Go ahead and describe what you're doing as you're doing it. So I'm going to heat some oil up in a pan real quick, and then we are going to dredge this chicken in our seasoned flour. It's salt, pepper, oregano, uh, rosemary, and parsley. Just going to pan sear this, get a nice crust on it, and then as Chef Blake was saying, we want to make sure it hits 165 before we sell it. So far so good. Pan nice and hot. Look at that beautiful jade range. Give that a second to heat up a little bit longer. You want to so I got it. two other pans going right here. This one's going to be for our sauce, and then we braise kale in our last pan. We're going to let them all heat up for a minute. That's a nice range right there, it's isn't it? It's beautiful. I mean, clean. It's sexy. It's blowing <laughs> out some high heat. There you know, it is. You can't, you can't get anything better than this. One thing it's about definitely cooking, a workhorse. heat is everything. It is, without a doubt. If you have, uh, you know, these burners right here, if it's all filled with crap and gunk, you're not going to get proper heating throughout your pan. Your food's not going to cook properly. It's definitely a very big part of cleaning at the end of the night mm -hmm. to make sure that every one of those grates is nice and beautiful and looks brand new, you know? And know your temperatures because the, he's getting real hot right now, but I'm assuming you're going to bring it down. You're going to just make love. To so that's one of the biggest things about saute is you are controlling the temperature of your pan. You want to start hot and ready to go, get that brown on, and then you want to bring it down a little bit because you're going to overcook that chicken on mm -hmm. the outside if you just let it roll as hot as you possibly can. So one big thing that we always check for when you know your oil is hot, it's going to shimmer and move around nice and fluid. So that looks hot. Yeah, jump on in there. Awesome. You can hear it going right off the bat. So in this pan right here, I'm going to build our sauce. Our signature sauce has uh, shallots, garlic, uh, heavy cream, a little bit of milk, and a little bit of chicken stock. And then I made a slurry for us to help thicken it up. Here comes that garlic. So as a, as a, I'm sorry, Jesus, I'm forgetting your name. But Greg. as we talked about, going to slow that flame down. Don't want the garlic to overcook and brown too quickly. Yeah. So now you're moving at this point. You've got your game plan. You're organized. 
Correct. You know your stations and heat. The deglaze with a little white wine. Chef Blake, jump in, man. All in the family. You liking what you're seeing? I'm admiring the smells over here. It smells fantastic. Beautiful browning my art reaction. See all this lovely color on the outside of the chicken breast there? So this is our slurry. Uh, it's a mixture of water and cornstarch. Going to throw that in a little bit. When it comes up to a boil, it's going to naturally sit, thicken that sauce for us. And this pan looks ripping hot, so we're going to braise some kale. I don't know how you guys multitask like that. I get distracted, and obviously I'm not focused in the kitchen, but I'll get a phone call, or you know, and there I am. You know, you got to really pay attention to what you're doing. But it's a rhythm type of thing, isn't it, Chef? It sure is. Uh, once you get comfortable on a line, you really start to see how long it takes to cook things. Deglazing with a little white wine right now. Always got a season. Little herbs. Wow. I can... A little bit more. Yeah, keep it going, chef. Keep talking. Yep, so I'm just readjusting this sauce. I let it go for a little bit too long, and uh, the slurry thickened it up real nice. So just loosening it. This is our kale. That's looking really good. We're going to season with a little bit of lemon juice right here. There's where you get your lemon parm in. Chef, do you typically finish this chicken, uh, chicken item inside the oven? We usually do throw it in the oven, but we're going to just continue to cook it on the pan, adjusting the temperature, keeping it nice and low. I know most of the restaurants I've worked in will open up about 500 degrees right below the range, so that way we can get our pickup times like ultra Correct. Fast. So, you know, in the <laughs> kitchen, you're looking for about, you know, our kitchen, we want everything under 15 minutes. Yeah. With that, you know, our mashed potatoes are already pre-made on a steam table, ready to go. The sauce is normally in a steam table, ready to go as well. Doing a few things on the fly. We're going to temp this chicken real quick and see where we're at. Another tool of the chef that's easily uh, readily available. To oh, you. yeah. You know, if it turns on and all. <laughs> <laughs> I got a oh, sub the, if you want. That's why another chef's sexy, yeah. All right. So we're all, we're getting there. We're getting there. A little bit longer. We're there. So chicken's going to be all set. We're going to take it off the heat so we don't dry it out. Sauce is looking nice. Braised kale. We're going to start plating. If you don't mind handing me those mashed potatoes. I don't. Are they in right here? In the hot box that we covered earlier today. Fantastic. Yes, they are. There you go, Beautiful. chef. Beautiful. Thank you. So these are jalapeno cream cheese mashed potatoes. Damn. Very signature of our restaurant. 
is killing you. On a busy night, how many of these do you do? This is a very popular dish. We uh, burn through about 30 on a Friday, Saturday night. Uh, you know, steaks is a big thing for us as well. But without a doubt, people seem to love this chicken parm. Or, sorry, lemon chicken. It's a, did you guys want to plate this? Sure. Shingle these bad boys, give it a little height. Drop this sauce over it. Fantastic, chef. That's a beautiful dish. It really is. Some herbs to garnish. A few lemon wedges. And then you always want to clean your plate. Beautiful. That's one of our signature dishes right there. That's our lemon chicken. Well done. That was really fun to Thank watch. Thank you. I appreciate that it. That was great. And again, you can go up and get this dish yourself. It's Roadhouse Boulder Depot and Chef Mike Russo on the ones and twos who's back there banging these out along with his staff. Give a shout out to some other folks that are up there and uh, what you can go enjoy when you're there. Talk about Absolutely. your bar program. You got some good beers. Yes, we do. So uh, we have been redeveloping our bar program over the last few years. We are bringing in many craft beers. Uh, that are locally brewed, and as well as a ton of whiskeys from Colorado, which is fantastic to have because I'm a big whiskey guy. I, gotcha. I drink it morning, night, and afternoon. So you probably have Laws, and you have Stranahan's, you probably have 291, all and you probably them. have Bear Creek. You got all the good stuff Every one there. of them. Uh, we probably have about, I think, close to 30 to 40 different types of whiskey in-house. That's fantastic. Yes. Uh, this chicken right here, what a beautiful color that you have on this, you guys. This is the chicken. GBD. And that we use in the... Golden the, Brown in, Delicious. In the kitchen, yeah. That's a kitchen lingo. Golden Brown Delicious again tonight. Emily Griffith Culinary Quick Start. Every week you're going to see a little preview of what's to come. This week it's basically basics, right, guys? Basic skills, knife training. Yeah. Classical cuts, things of that nature. Stock making. How to make stock. Yep. Uh, bread, intro into bread. Yeah, we're going to teach them the science behind yeah. baking breads. Uh, yeah. And join the community. I can tell you what, as um, people are starting to be brought back to work, you've got to be sharp with your, I mean, if you've been on the bench, listen, there's nothing wrong with that, but you've got to be ready to hit the ground running. And these chefs, when they, I mean, just like you, Mike, talk about just that baseline. If you hire a cook and they're coming into your kitchen, it's nice to know they're going to have these basic skills because then you have to spend a little less time, but you'll put your nuances on it. But um, bringing people back in the kitchen, that's quite the process, isn't it? Yes, it is. So whenever we do a new hire, we do something uh, in the industry called a stage. And what that is, is that's kind of like a tryout. You know, I'm going to put you through the ringer. I'm going to test your knife skills. I'm going to see if you can cook a medium rare burger, cook a chicken, you know, things that are basic for us in the industry, but not everybody knows how to do perfect perfectly so once you go through that we sit down we assess we try your food and we talk about it and then from there i get a good judgment of what your skills are and you know what for the most part i haven't been disappointed i've hired pretty much anybody that shows me they know what they're doing 
Yeah, and that's something that really the Modern Eater approved. And Emily Griffith Culinary Quick Start. We have Chef Marcus Eng and we have Chef Blake Stein. They'll be with us here tonight for the first class. But I'll tell you what, with these new partnerships and we love Vibe Concepts, you guys are great. They'll take a look at the folks that are coming out of this course. And that's where you can get into that kitchen environment that we know you want to be in. So everybody involved today, boy, Chef Elon Wenzel, thank you from Element Knife Company. Howard, and there's Rich O'Brien. Rich O'Brien and Howard, Elevation Food Service reps. These guys are absolutely fantastic. Thank you, Aileen Riley from Beast and Bottle and Coperta for joining us. Uh, she chose to, um, you know, not reopen right now, even though there's 25% capacity. Sometimes it's easier, especially right now, to keep the lights off rather than turning them back on and really limping along with one foot. These guys, Chef Mike Russo, thank you so much. Thanks Appreciate for having me. you joining us here today. And these guys, it's going to be a good night tonight. We're going to start yeah. off the first time this class at Studio Kitchen Colorado. Chef Marcus Eng, Chef Blake Stein. We're going to get this baby going because we got work to do tonight, and we got some food to eat too, guys. Yep. <laughs> Crack open a delicious craft beer. So I've got to thank uh, Jay Parker and Dragon Red Beer for today's production. Dragon good to have you here in the kitchen hopefully see more of you for myself greg holland back we're going to kick that rock down the road we'll see you back on wednesday from elevation food service reps we are going to be live showing you the latest and greatest the coolest equipment you'll want to tune in for that and then friday we'll be up at the monarch casino and resort thanks for joining us we'll see you on wednesday 2 p.m the modern eater show continues